Welcome. I am Aaron Giesbrecht, head QB trainer and owner of Big Air Academy, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And you are tuned in to my podcast called Talking QBs with Coach Gies, a podcast dedicated to the Canadian quarterback and offensive football. And tonight, on my 34th episode, we are passing the torch with head coaches Stu Nixon and Chris Olson. What's going on, gentlemen? How you doing? Good. Thanks, Aaron, for having us. Yeah, no problem. Glad to have you guys on. I'm excited to talk uh, talk football and connect with you guys. Stu, I want to start off and, and kind of talk about your background and then tell tell my audience about growing up in the Nixon family, your family members, and and playing organized sports as a young as a young kid. Well, I didn't actually start playing organized sports till I was somewhere between six and eight. Nowadays, kids are starting to learn sports. They're playing soccer at two or three, right? My parents uh, came from a farm in Saskatchewan. We spent most of our summers back at the farm okay. until I was, you know, almost a teenager. And uh, so I didn't get involved in football. And I, I think it was like I was eight or nine years old. I started playing football for the Pop Warner Chargers. I think it was the Chargers. That same year, I started playing hockey and baseball as well. My dad coached baseball. I, I enjoyed all of those sports, but I hated hockey. I hated hockey because it was always outdoors. Right. And that one winter there, I started playing. It was just freaking like minus 35 every time. And we didn't have a lot of money. So the skates I had for like my dad wore when he was a kid from 1932. And it was like a pair of running shoes with a blade screwed onto the bottom. <laughs> so I was handicapped trying to skate around with everybody else with decent skates. But I stopped with baseball and football. And then when I got into high school, I started playing rugby and my dad was a real supporter. He managed my football team. He coached my baseball team. He really tried to encourage me to continue to play in hockey, but it wasn't my thing. And then when I got into high school, I also started wrestling. I wrestled until I was done grade 12, and, and that was about it. That was my childhood. Uh, dad was into hunting and fishing, and I wasn't into hunting as much. My, my older brother, Kevin, loved hunting, so they'd bring home the deer and hang them in the basement. He had an unfinished basement and they'd hang him over a little kiddie pool and let him bleed out and we'd climb all over it and, and dad would butcher him. Yeah, it was hunting, fishing, and then sports came a little bit later. You already referenced your your brother, Kevin, but I was able to play for your brother when I was in grade 10 at Oak Park. That probably was like 1996 or 97. Uh, and he had me playing, uh, I was the backup quarterback, so he, he had me playing some end backer in Gil Bromwell's split six defense. So uh, I, re- I remember your brother from from that time. He coached me all the way through high school. Chris, to transfer to you, talk talk about growing up in the Olsen family. I, I was able to play with your brother, Greg, in high school as well, so we kind of got the connection there. But uh, talk about your family and, and growing up and playing sports. I think we're looking back, very stereotypical family, just living in a... Uh small side-by-side in Charles were growing up there and uh, it would be uh, me and my brother just kind of outside wrestling and uh, beating the tart of each other on a daily basis. My parents just check in to make sure that we're okay and uh, give us some food and let us go back at it for uh, round two and round three and all that stuff. So I think the transition to a sport was needed by uh, myself and, and my parents to give us a little bit of a, a break. My sister along in there, it was, uh, there was five of us in the household. It was busy. Uh, parents were working lots. Everybody was coming and going at all times, but it was good. I was super lucky going through football and, you know, I had my grandpa as a, a coach, my dad coached, and there was a, even one year where my grandma was the, uh, the trainer. She was a, a nurse at the children's hospital 
So it was a, it was a, a definitely a, a family filled event. And I remember going through the Charles of Bronco program and your dad being there. And mm-hmm. I remember Corey uh, Huckluck playing. His dad was involved. Jeremiah Robinson, his dad, Frank Robinson was around. It was, it was a very family oriented uh, football club. And it was, uh, right. it was awesome. And it just, uh, it ingrained in me football. And I, I don't think it'll ever leave. I agree uh, with you. That was that was kind of a an interesting group of people, and and really cool for young guys like us when we were growing up to kind of all be around there, right? There was obviously you referenced Frank and Dan Huckluck being former pros, and they were coaching us, and then our dads were involved, so it, it was really cool. It was a really cool environment. Um, Stu, talk to me about you. You mentioned when you started to play, you're a pretty young guy. Uh, take me through your football career and and talk about this all the stops along the way. Uh, talk about memorable players and coaches that uh, that stick out to you from your time playing ball. Well, I I, I don't think I was a much of a standout when I first started. I was uh, like younger, playing on an older team, and I had a buddy that was playing on the team. Like he lived across the street from me, and I keep finishing him to play. And neither one of us were very interested to begin with. And I guess I can't remember the age group, but I think you were with the same team for three years. So I was at the youngest of those three years, and. You know, you're sitting on the bench most of the time. You're not really that involved. So I don't remember a lot of that. But by the time I was like 11, I was like one of the better players on the team. And it was it was about 11 years old where I started really starting to think, you know, I, I, I love this game. Like this is, whereas in, in grade, when I was nine or eight, the beginning of that, like that first year is like, I'm doing this for my dad. This is just like hockey, Right. But it was warm and it was something to do, so I continued with it. By the by, my third year playing football, I was actually having some success, and I was starting to fall in love with the game. I remember Coach Ian Heather. He had to. Uh, I, I remember like I, I got bored in the game my first year, and uh, me and my buddy Gary Smith went off and I, I mean chased some cat underneath the bleachers up something. And it was near the end of the game; we we're getting blown out. He wanted to get in the game; he couldn't find us. We weren't even on the bench. But at the end, you know, like I ended up being like the MVP of that team in my year that I graduated to go to the next level. And a lot of it was that guy was able to instill a love of the game. Like he didn't, he wasn't that hard-nosed guy. He was a kind, gentle soul, uh, a teacher. Uh, But I I remember him. He was significant. Going through high school, I played for the St. James Cobras. They're now the St. James Rods. Mm -hmm. My coach there was Bill Mark and uh, George Wolchanowski, Ken Uchuk. It's amazing I remember these names. Uh, they were all really good coaches, and, and, and they were a lot of fun. I played with Mike Ethier, who was a territorial protection for the Bombers. Scott Flagel, who was a CFL Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. We were all on that team. We had a really yeah. good team. And then I went to the Bisons. Dennis Roseco recruited me. Like He was really, really genuinely interested. And uh, my marks in high school were crappy. You know, I had a learning disability. My dad didn't even want me to go to university. Like He was like, you know, son, you got to sell cars, man. Like you're not going to go to university, like give up this pipe dream. But Dennis was an academic. He was the associate dean of uh, faculty of physical education. And he connected me with all these different courses to take, to adapt to learning with a disability. And if I didn't take them, I wouldn't get my, my scholarship money. And I actually did way better in university than I ever did in high school. And he, like, honestly, Dennis was, the dude changed my life. Like, like I actually became a, a strong student. And it was because of the attention that he paid to that, 
he didn't coach the the world's most winning teams, but he he sure made damn sure that all of his players got degrees, right? So he was he was probably up there. Gil Bramwell, I, you know, it was Gil Bramwell that introduced me to Dennis Forsakel. If it wasn't for my relationship with Gil Bramwell, I don't know where I would have been, right? If it wasn't for him, I don't know that I ever would have become a bison. And I worked with him as a roofer. He became almost a second father to me when I was in my teenage years being a little rebellious piece of crap. Well, that's that's great to recognize the people along the way and to have good coaches and people that helped, uh, especially with your education, right? Like that's that's awesome that you had that. That was huge, yeah. You had that push. Chris, you know, we talked about referencing the Broncos and that's probably where you got your start. But uh, take me through your football days. Mentioned the stops along the way and, and as well. Talk about uh, playing for Coach Nixon in 2002 and 2003. So football for me, I was that kid. I was uh, probably 120 pounds in grade two. Like I was <laughs> a football player. I was not going to be a track star. Right. Uh, I was not made for uh, looks. I was I was a football player. I remember in the beginning, uh, I found I was a lot bigger than everybody. At that age, that means success. Really, when you're starting out, it's not about technique. It's not about fundamentals. It's who's bigger than the other kid at this time. You know, you found your niche, found uh, something that I was good at, and uh, started to really enjoy it. Went through all the way through the Broncos and graduated. And then uh, Coach Bramwell came knocking along, and uh, my brother was already at Oak Park. I remember uh, probably the first ever Oak Park High School game. I think uh, that was uh, probably you at quarterback. I think it was actually at Eastside Eagles Field. I think it was the championship. Oh, that game. was a bad one. Let's yeah, talk. I'm not going to say who uh, what the finals was, <laughs> final score was, but I think that was the first game I really remember watching in high school and being like, I cannot wait for this. And then watching my brother play, and then I just couldn't wait to get in there. And I remember uh, getting in that weight room, the dungeon in the, the basement there, going in to grade 10 over that summer, and – it was just, it almost felt like a, a pro-level program. You know, you go from Charles and Bronco where you're just having fun. Right. And then you walk in and there's guys like Corey Blunt, Corey Hocklock, Richard Sylvester, and they're throwing up 225 on the bench, uh, squatting three plates, and you're like, okay, I'm not so good anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, got, I got some work cut out for me. But those guys, I, I remember Corey Hocklock grabbing me, walking in, with my brother and he grabbed me and they put me on the bench and saw what I could do. And I got up a plate, 135 on each side, and it was wiggling all over the place like jello. Uh-huh. Uh, and I got it up and that was kind of like, okay, yeah, he's okay. Uh, we'll keep him kind of thing. And, uh, and then just those guys set the tone. High school was an unbelievable time in, in football. I, I really couldn't have wrote it any better. Gil Bramma was, kind of on his way out. So in grade 10, we won the championship. And that was that team was a stair Cummings. We need to do a 30 for 30 ESPN special on that kid. <laughs> he was one of the best high school players ever. I remember him down the road when we were playing rifles together. He would show up sporadically for a junior team. Mm-hmm. We'd throw him in. He'd run for a couple touchdowns, yep. and we'd put him on the bench for the rest of the game. Yeah, so grade 10, uh, unbelievable team. I, I think – with that game was the championship game was out of hand by halftime, and then came the uh, kind of the the, the original uh, passing of the torch of Gil to Stu, and uh, that was my grade eleven year. Very lucky to have both those guys on the coaching staff. Gil Bramwell was kind of that uh, legend of the program, mm-hmm. and we had the uh, new goofy coach coming in with uh, the Grinch hat on, 
And at first, everyone was like, who is this guy? Like, he was just, at that time, uh, like, really polar opposite of of Gil. Like, Gil was just ice in his veins. You got a smile out of him. Uh, it was a good day. You didn't want to look him in the eyes too often, but uh, he was he was that guy that, it's just a living legend. Like, uh, I... I don't know how else to explain it. No, you're right. it. When he walked in the room, you knew he was in the room. Mm-hmm. When he walked in the field, you knew he was on the field. It was just, he had that aura. Uh, 2002 was my peak probably in high school football. We played St. Paul's in a championship game and it went uh, to double overtime. And I was playing what a game. offense. Yeah, playing offensive and defensive line. We were on the one yard line and we did a QB sneak with JR at quarterback, and all we needed was the one yard to get a touchdown. And it was literally came down to all those speeches you hear in football. This game's a game of inches, everything built in that one moment. And I will never forget JR looking at me in the, in the huddle and saying, let's get it in here. One yard, and we got that touchdown, and we uh, we won in double overtime. He was uh, triple overtime, wasn't it? You know what? It was triple overtime. Uh, yeah, because I thought so. In the yeah. third, in the third overtime, they kicked a field goal, and then we, and then we had to score. We had to get the touchdown. I'm pretty sure that's the only time it's ever gone to triple overtime. Ever. Yeah, that I game mean, not, was, not only championship, but ever like in any quarter or semi. Like I, I think that's the only time it ever happened. And then uh, grade twelve was the year Stu took the reins, and you know what? And we uh, sucked. <laughs> yeah, we were, <laughs> I remember we were trying to set the record for uh, most. Most games undefeated in the high school playing Churchill. I had to play Churchill. Yeah. And we were so bad. I remember. I remember Tall Miller coming over to me and going, Coach, we suck. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember, um, you know, the the alumni guys at that game, because they expected us to, you know, take the title and Mm -hmm. beat the record. And uh, they just got in their cars after the end of the game and, and that most. (laughs) I think we went four and four that year. Andrew Harris was at Grand Park at that time. They were a very good team. We made it to the semifinals and you're you're in the final four again. Mm -hmm. And St. Paul's was just the better team that day. They blew us out, but then they went and played Grand Park. They blew Grand Park out. Uh, I was still pretty good friends with most of the Grand Park guys. And, you know, a lot of my buddies were still coaching there. And they sent me a text at halftime saying, hey, so what do we... What, what do we got to do to turn this around? And I said, how many hand grenades you got? <laughs> <laughs> Again, like it was uh, high school was unbelievable. That that group of guys that I played football with, like the Tom Miller, uh, Kevin Gale, Corey Hansen, Josh Jordan, like those are my lifelong buddies. And we're still just as good as friends today as we were, I guess, almost 20 years ago. Yeah. So wow, that's awesome. crazy. It's, uh, it's amazing. And like, you know, we can talk about stories and it's like, it's like you're instantly there again. After high school, uh, I was kind of like Stu in the sense of I was not, you know, I was not mature enough to go to university. I remember I got a couple letters in the mail uh, from like St. Francis Xavier and a couple schools talking about recruiting, going to uh, a couple camps. And all of a sudden like, yeah, we're hearing good things about you. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, what are your grades? <laughs> like, uh, let me check i don't know 50s 60s uh i was uh i was not ready uh for university and if i did go 
university at that time, I would have flunked out and uh, it would, wouldn't have been successful. I went junior at that time. Uh, Mike Watson was the head coach of the Winnipeg Rifles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were the quarterback there. It was a strong team. That was, I think my first year that there would have been 2004. Very, very good year for the, the Rifles. That uh, played offensive line for them uh, with Guy Page, Chad Young, yeah. and all those guys. That was a, that was a very fun team. Uh, and we, we won some football games as well. And then uh, played another year with the Rifles. Again, I think that was 2005 was probably our best chance at ever winning the PFC yeah. conference. And we, we could have taken it. Even away. since then, I think that was your best chance ever. Watson yeah. was a good coach, man. Yeah. And we should have, like, we really should have, we should have beat them in that, that semifinal game. It was, mm-hmm. we just, uh, a couple turnovers and, uh, it, it just didn't go our way that day. Yeah. Of my third year of rifles, uh, that's kind of when, uh, things took a little bit of a twist. Uh, we were in camp and then I, I, uh, just a fluke accident. A guy stepped on my foot when we were running mm-hmm. and, uh, I got a Liz Frank fraction, mm-hmm. which is, um, a, basically there's a tendon that holds all your, holds all your bones together in line in your foot. And that pretty much tore. And my foot was a little bit mangled and like the, uh, the goofball I was, I, uh, I rushed the injury. I got three screws and a plate put in. I rushed the injury, tried to get it back. I was training with Tom Canada. Mm-hmm. I don't remember him for the Brahmers there. We were at Elite together. You know, trainers can only go by what you're saying. It's, they're like, does this hurt? And it did hurt. And I was just like, no, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, yeah, you're cleared to go. And uh, probably we had a game in Edmonton and we had flown back and we went out and I was with Roddy Patterson. My foot, I was just like, man, I'm like, I got to get out of here. Like something's wrong. Yeah, sure enough. I had uh, kind of, they had to go back and check things out again. And I had uh, done some more damage to it and stuff like that. I, I was not the smart guy uh, back then. I wasn't, uh, you know, you, you're young, you think you're invincible. And I took that year and then I joined uh, with the Bisons in 2007. And uh, what a year to join them. Yeah. It was uh, the Vanier Cup year. Uh, I was on a defensive line with Eddie Steele, Don Ramisu, Justin Cooper, and Justin Shaw. All four of those guys played in the CFL. Yeah, wow. So uh, I wasn't seeing a lot of playing time. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but uh, you learn and you see those guys play. And you know it, you take your, your snaps when you can. And then things were progressing and things were going good. And the following year, uh, started getting some playing time. Things were good. That season was brutal in terms of our, our record. We were not very good after the 2007 season. Right. Uh, everyone kind of went their own ways. But uh, 2008 was good. And then I uh, started playing 2009. And then it would just, uh, I went and saw the doctor about my foot. And it just wasn't, the doctor's like, we can't recommend you playing anymore. And I was, that was uh, kind of all she wrote. The body had different plans. Yeah. You know what? I can, I can relate though to what you're saying about just kind of being a dummy about pushing injuries. Cause that year that we played together at the rifles, actually that spring I was playing in the Oak park basketball alumni tournament and I come, come down with a rebound and my foot goes right over. I basically tore everything in my foot, like as badly as you could. And I remember we had rifle spring camp like the following week. And, and I had told Watson, I was like, you know what? I don't, I'm not going to be able to practice. Like there's no way I had no idea that Nate Friesen was coming to uh, compete with me for the job. 
and I got there on the Friday night for the for the the starter camp, and I intended just to kind of stand around and watch. And I see Nate Friesen's there, and I'm like, oh shit, I guess I'm practicing. So I Nate, I just went. Nate and, Friesen, I remember that name. Where's he yeah. from? Yeah, no, he Where was a, he? he he played at the St. Vital Mustangs, but he he was the Rifles quarterback with Chris when yeah. when the Rifles had the greatest season there, and he went on to play for okay. the Bisons. He was a very good quarterback. But uh, but yeah, I, I did the same thing and basically hurt myself that to the point where I wasn't as good as I could have been. So I can totally relate. But uh, Stu, talk about when you coached Chris. What what was Chris like as a player? What do you remember about that time? Honestly, the, the thing I remember most about Chris, he just alluded to. He he was one of the toughest kids I ever coached. Uh, never complained about an injury. He must have had a pain threshold through the roof, like because he just never complained about shit. Worked hard at practice, never missed anything. Very amicable, you know, all, 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 all the things that you need. Like, he's going to be at the sports awards banquet. He's not going to miss for some other, I got to work coach. And he's a team guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like a total 100% team guy. Team first, that's it. And guess what? It's a, like, like you got that stupid sign. It's not a stupid sign. It's a great sign. It's part of the wall uh, in our locker room. It's a grind. Mm-hmm. He... He was one of the toughest kids I ever coached. Back at it for second quarter action with Coach Gies, Coach Chris Olson, and Coach Stu Nixon. So guys, I, um, like you, wanted to become a teacher. Chris, you talked earlier about going to school, you know, possibly too early and, and not being prepared and flunking out and being a dummy. Well, that's exactly what I did. I, uh, I had the full intention. I shouldn't have been at university. I went to university because I got a scholarship and I wanted to play football. Um, but I was, I wasn't mentally ready for that. Um, so I'm really interested in your guys's journey. So Stu, what was it about becoming a teacher that was intriguing to you? Really? Honestly, nothing. (laughs) I, I, uh, the, the, the truth is I went to the faculty of physical education with a, a very low GPA. average out of high school. I didn't attend high school much. I didn't, I, I didn't do well in school throughout my academic background, like in, in high school. But I had, I had a learning, it's called dyslexia. Lots of kids are diagnosed with it now and, 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 and is dealt with a little bit better, but it was something that wasn't well known back in the day. I remember failing grade two, spending my, you know, rest of elementary school being called a the R word, a lot of fights in elementary school. And then in junior high comes along and it's a bunch of different junior high schools or elementary schools combined for the junior high school. And all of that stuff was forgotten that the R word was gone. And I was a bigger guy by then. People had pretty much learned not to piss me off. You know what? Um, School became fun as long as I didn't spend too much time in class. It's hard to explain. I didn't even realize about then, but whatever happened, I managed to just week by in high school and then I ran into Coach Roseco, introduced mm-hmm. to me by Gil, right. who who met me when I was in grade eleven and, and really mentored me through grade eleven and through grade twelve. And then in, in, in university, uh, you know, I learned all these strategies of, you know, how to prepare, how to write essays, how to prepare for exams and spent a lot more time focusing on it. In high school I spent all my time avoiding the classroom, you know, right. doing anything you could to get kicked out of there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just so you didn't have to have anybody recognize it. Hey, that guy's stupid. But I spent a lot of time finding ways not to be in the classroom. In university, I started to find ways to try to learn to be better in the classroom. Okay. And I ended, I ended up doing pretty darn good, 
starting in my third year. My first year, I damn near dummied out, uh, almost lost my money. But I started getting it and understanding, you know, the process that I had to go through in order for me to get better under my circumstance. Ended up finishing with a three-point GPA, which is pretty darn good for a kid who barely squeaked through high school. Yeah. Um, where are we going with this? What was the question again? <laughs> I, think, I think you answered. I think you answered for the most part. Talk, talk about once you became a teacher. What was that? Uh... Okay. Well, let's let's go back before the teacher. Like okay. I, I ended up doing. Well, I, I got. I I did well enough to get my my kinesiology degree, and then it was like I I still had two years left of eligibility, and I want to play football. So what do I do? Like I don't know what the hell to do with it. Kinesiology degree. Like what am I going to do? I'm going to be a physiotherapist, like I, I'm going to have to do something else. Uh, so Dennis said, well, apply to education. And I, I had good enough grades to get into education <laughs> and uh, started taking uh, the education and, and the actual post degree education program. I mean, Chris, you took it. I mean, there's a lot of courses that you took in that two years that were just like, <laughs> wow, do I have to sit through this? <laughs> right? Like, I mean, when you go through that, that kinesiology degree and you're interested in exercise sciences and most of the stuff is interesting, but a lot of the stuff in that post-education degree was, you know, pretty dry and not that interesting. But then you get into the practical part and you have to go teach. And that's when I started thinking, wow, like I can relate to these kids. Like I, I enjoy this. I graduated out of there and I had a, a, a fairly well-known reputation in the football community. Back then, there was only seven teams in high school. Right. So I visited with each one of the principals of each one of the seven schools that had high school football programs. Oh, Oak wow. Park didn't exist back then. Ended up committing to coaching at St. John's because Mitch Kiesman, who a guy, him and I played together in a room together with the Bisons, was teaching already there, a couple of years older than me. Mm-hmm. So I, I committed to coaching at St. John's, but then I got hired at, at Sisler. So okay. I had an awkward year of teaching at Sisler and coaching, coaching at St. John's. We didn't play Sisler that year, but Sisler played poorly, didn't do well. Mm-hmm. We went on, we, we were one play away from getting into the championship that year. We hail married us and beat us by a couple of points. It was uh, Daniel Mack beat us and they ended up playing Brandon in the final. Brandon won back in 1987. But in the classroom, I, I worked with at-risk kids for the first little while, mm-hmm. and I found that really rewarding. Started doing uh, some gym classes along with some science classes, along with some career development classes. We did that for about five years, and then I moved into the gym full-time. And I was in the gym full-time for the next 25 years. Like, I've just enjoyed it. Like, I've, I've, I've had very few, if any, negative experiences, like a Sunday night. It's no different than a Friday night for me. Like I'm, I enjoy going to work. Like even now when I'm ready to retire, it, it, it's a good gig, man. I really enjoy it. I, the, the kids keep you young. And uh, I, I would never have expected that. It was like the path just kind of unfolded for me. I just, the reason I went toward that direction, I just wanted to keep playing football. It was my desire to play football that created the pathway for me to become a teacher. And just yeah. fortunately, it was something that I really got a, a really good charge out of. And you, and you also coached after that at Grant Park for a number of years, correct? That's right. I left Sisler after, like, I, I was a defensive coordinator there for nine years. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like for me, it was time. I, I wanted to run a program. And I went to Grant Park. I transferred over there. And uh, we had a lot of good years. It was a very struggling 
program at the time. I brought them their first undefeated season. Uh, when I was at Sisler for nine years, we made it to the final four out of those nine years, winning in the fourth year. Okay. Uh, Oak Park's championship year, 1993, their first championship, right. they beat us in the final with 13 guys on the field when they scored. I just I don't want to bring that up. <laughs> but, uh, but again, you know, we, we went undefeated. Uh, and in the semifinal game, we had to play Sisler. They ended up beating us by two points. And I'll, I'll never forget, this just a little word of wisdom. They beat us a couple of different reasons. Both reasons, totally my fault. Totally my fault. The first one was, I remember going to a clinic in one of those super clinics, Minneapolis super yeah. clinics, right? Oh, I, I listened to a speaker who went special teams. Mm -hmm. And he said, there are two end zones. There's the win zone. And there's a score zone, all right? Okay. The win zone is the end zone at your back. The score zone is the end zone, you know, that you're facing. You never try anything on special teams that's risky or sketchy when your ass is close to the win zone, right? And in that game, we try to reverse on a kickoff return, fumbled it. They punched it in and scored. We were winning up until then. And from that, like, I swear to God, for the rest of my career, I have never done anything like a reverse or anything on a kickoff team because your ass is close to the win zone. Right. You don't do that. It costs you. We took a delay a game in that. We were ready to kick a field goal. We're kicking into a win. And I sent the field goal team out there. And we had Matt Nichols, who was a See very that. good quarterback. He waved me off, and I was a young head coach. He waved me off. I sent the field goal team out there, waved me off, and I'm like, what the hell? And I I, I, I hesitated for a minute. We got to delay a game. Mm. Backed us up. I sent the field goal team out there, and we missed that damn field goal by about a foot. You got to be more in charge, right? And if it was Gil Bramwell, mm -hmm. would never have happened. Would never have happened. <laughs> never in a million years. But with me, it did. You know what I like? I like the honesty, coach. I like I like the learning lessons along the way, right? You're you gotta you gotta learn from your mistakes, and and you know you don't make them again, right? I like that you reference that. Now, Olson, let's uh, let's get back to you. I want to talk about uh, your university experience. Uh, you mentioned you weren't the greatest of student. You end up going to the U of M later on to play ball there and go to school. Talk about getting your degree and becoming a teacher. Growing up, it was. I, you know, it was my brother who I kind of wanted to be better at football at uh, on the playing field. And then my sister on the flip side, she was more of the academic. So I was lucky enough when I went back to university, uh, my sister was just graduating and we actually ended up in some of the same classes. And uh, the competitive uh, guy in me uh, needed that because if she probably wasn't in some of my classes, there's no way I would have passed because, you know, we would do a test and I would see her mark and like, kind of like, you know, swallow your pride a little bit and show her my mark. And, uh, I needed her in those, in those classes for the first little bit, just so I would have a little competition. Like Stu, I was, because I was, I was kind of, you know, reluctant in high school to, to really dive into the academics of things. And, you know, I did, I was smart enough. I was street smart. I knew what I needed to do and when I needed to do it to get my marks. I'm a teacher now. I don't really want everyone to know, but you know, like I probably read one book in high school 
and did the same book report over and over and over for different teachers. <laughs> like you learn how to play the game. Yeah. But that may have got me through high school. But when I went to university, I was definitely behind in my reading and my writing. I was a behind student in those terms. So those first couple of years of university were a struggle, especially when you're in university one mm-hmm. uh, with a hundred different kids, you're taking psychology and all this stuff, stuff that you're not interested in. Right. And uh, slowly, and definitely once I got into kinesiology, you know, you're more with the football guys, you're in a smaller setting at the U of M. It definitely feels a little bit more comfortable. I knew kind of in terms of like, when I went to university, I had a goal of mine. I was like, I'm going to be a, a teacher. I want to be a phys ed teacher. Uh, and that was due to coaching. Uh, backtrack a little bit. Mm-hmm. When I injured my foot and I couldn't play for that year, I went back to Old Park to help coach. Okay. And that's kind of when it kind of clicked. When, uh, you know, you start passing on information to kids mm-hmm. and they're looking at you and all of a sudden the light bulb goes off and, you know, you're, you're getting this reaction out of, uh, out of the young guys and getting more than they think they have in them. And that was, that was my kind of like aha moment where, you know, I, I enjoyed doing this. And I remember my dad coming downstairs one day and it was, this was before I said I was uh, going to U of M and he's like, you know, you got to figure something out. It's been a couple of years now since uh, high school and all that. He's like, what are we doing? And then I just, you know, literally, okay, gym teacher, mm-hmm. is that teacher? Let's go. And then uh, that was it. We put, and I was stubborn enough, competitive enough that I got through it. I uh, loved every minute of it. Uh, education, like Stu said, you get to that certain point, you get in those classrooms and you start teaching and you're like, oh, this is what it's about. And then you go back in the university, you get back in the classroom, you get thrown a textbook. Yeah. And it's like, regurgitate this to me, please, by Monday. And it's like, <laughs> so. Once, once I got the hands-on stuff in the classroom and, and teaching and learning and all that stuff, and and like Stu says, I've taught everything from kindergarten, phys ed, right up to grade 12 now. Mm-hmm. And it's enjoyable at every single level. Like, I've been able to teach a kid how to how to catch a ball, right? right? Like, you know, I'm that guy who taught you. I, I taught, a, you know, you teach kids how to tie their shoes, little things like that. And then you get to junior high and you start talking to them about life stuff and you know, getting through and, you know, and then high school, especially now at Oak Park, like the students are awesome. The the community at Oak Park, the administration at Oak Park, it, it's second to none. And it's, uh, it's where you want to be. When I graduated from education, it was hard to get a job. It was like on average six to eight years to get a permanent contract in any wow. school division at that time. At that time, I was helping coach uh, at Oak Park. But they had a declining enrollment. Uh, there was no way at that time for me to get in. So I just kind of took whatever job was available. And that ended up in uh, the River East Transcode School Division. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I took that job, uh, Dan came a call and, and uh, the school division recommended that I go over there and start uh, coaching some football. That broke my heart. Yeah, but you know what? Hindsight, it was that probably... Was the right thing. Probably the best thing that ever happened, mm-hmm. uh, yep. uh, selfishly. Hey, and also for our program, honestly, yeah. you were able to independently develop your own philosophy of education and coaching and diversify a little bit because you'd always been at Old Park. I think yeah. you became a better teacher and a better coach because you went there. You know, in the moment, you're, you're kind of like, ah, you know what, I always wanted Old Park. And, and then, 
it didn't come around. And then I went to coach with Dan and uh, Dan is an unbelievable uh, football mind. That guy is, he's a high level English teacher and he brings that uh, to the playing field. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I took a lot away from him and uh, Rory Anderson and the way they uh, structured their practices, just little nuances that they did. And you know what, Miles Mack was a struggling program and it's kind of like a mixed bag of what you're going to get every single year. They've had years where they've got great talent and uh, years where they're struggling to find the bodies and the way they were able to, you know, be able to, change guys around, do some 12 on 12 with low number guys. And, and that, like, I took a lot away from that. And like coach, uh, coach Nixon is saying, like, uh, I got to develop, uh, and figure out who I was as a, a teacher and a coach. And as much as I would have loved to just stay there, uh, in the end, it, uh, it's what, what had to be done. That was for about, uh, three years at miles Mac there. Mm-hmm. And it was great time. Great. Uh, like a lot of good, raw talent that yeah. uh came through that school and uh you know a few of those guys like uh Mate, yeah um unbelievable kid unbelievable athlete you know it's a different culture there you know old park you know they drive their bmws to school they drive their, drive their nice cars mm-hmm. and miles mac they're lugging uh their football equipment uh for a 50 minute walk to get to breakfast field right while, while, while watching their bro- younger brothers and sisters like it's a it was different, and I, I needed to see that uh, difference and, you know, better overall understanding of football in the province and all that stuff. Just maybe a better coach. Then, yeah, and then uh, the opportunity finally came up, and uh, I was giving – like, I was I was kind of at the point, uh, and with Dan, I was just ready to run my own pro- program, kind of like what uh, Stu was saying. Like, I was – you know, and I had assistant coaching for a long time. Uh, I've coordinated an offense called defense – done special teams. I, you know, it was time for me to be a head coach. And mm-hmm. I talked to a couple quick conversations with Calvin, with Reese, but then it did end up happening at Oak Park, uh, quickly kind of out of the blue. And, uh, I couldn't be happier. It's, uh, where I'm supposed to be mm-hmm. and, uh, happy about it. And I look forward to uh, the, the years ahead. We're, we're happy to have you. I, I love that both of you were referencing, you know, the learning lessons along the way and just that ability to find yourself within both your your teaching career and your your coaching and I just want to make reference that uh coach Olson is talking about Dan that's Dan Washnuck who's the head coach at Miles Mack and was a former linebacker stud linebacker for the Winnipeg Rifles back in our day and uh yeah very smart guy very very good football coach Back at it for third quarter action with head coaches Stu Nixon and Chris Olson. So, gentlemen, obviously I'm an Oak Park grad, and and I was able to play for the great Gil Bromwell in, in the late 90s. Uh, it was a phenomenal coach. I don't think at the time I really realized that. I didn't realize what kind of man he was and, and how good of a coach he was till probably a few years later after I experienced playing for other people, really. Um but what a phenomenal man and and the way he ran the program, the way he kept everybody in line. Uh, he never, in my opinion, never treated anybody any differently from the next guy, whether you were the best player or the worst player. Uh, just a phenomenal man, right? And uh, it would have been cool actually to get him on this podcast with you guys. But uh, I didn't, oh, with it ever? ever. I, I I didn't know if he'd be up for the technology though. So <laughs> <laughs> no, you're probably right. Yeah. But uh, but but anyways, um, Stu, talk about coming to Oak Park to take over the program. 
you, you first joined the staff in 2002. Uh, you were coaching with Coach Bromwell was still the head coach. Dan Huckluck was there running the offense. My dad and a bunch of others were there. It was a real good crew of, of coaches and players. Talk, talk about coming to Oak Park and what that was like. I met Gil Bramwell when I was in grade 11. I was going to work out in a gym that he was he was teaching at the time, but he was also coaching the Bison, but he was also moonlighting as a personal trainer at this gym. Okay. And I went in there, and it was an 18-year or older gym, and I went in there using my brother's ID. And uh, he's coaching my brother. Okay. And he sat down, so you're Kevin Nixon, eh? And I said, yep, 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 yep. He says, well, I coach your brother, so you're not Kevin Nixon. Are you, are you going to pay to come in today or not? I went, oh, I haven't got any money. He says, well, all right, you can come in, but, you know, let, let, let's talk about football. And, and and then it was through those couple of years there that I, I ended up buying a membership at that gym, talking to him more and more often. He started following my football career in high school, and I, I, I actually had a pretty good run in high school and with a pretty good team. And he ended up getting me to the Bisons was our defensive coordinator for all the years that I was there. And he was the guy that you guys described, right? Like you don't, you don't fuck with Gil. Right. right? Like, <laughs> I remember for our, our first three years of working with the Bisons, playing with the Bisons, we were not allowed water on the field. Mm -hmm. Water was for the week. Yeah. Right? We didn't, we didn't have water. And then we got these new trainers, uh, Gord Mackey retired and we got these new young trainers in and they insisted that we have water. They had this garden hose sticking out of the fence at the bottom of the hill. You yeah. all played for the Bisons, yeah. right? Like there yeah. was that hill. But Gil had us, whenever he was upset with us, crabbing up and down that hill. Guys were puking. It was just the water was sticking out of a hose at the bottom of the hill. Aren't you guys want water? And me and my brother are like, oh, yeah, we're fine. We're not thirsty. It was like 35 degrees Celsius, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not thirsty. And then. Some DBs ended up going over there for water, and then it was like a free-for-all. Everybody was splashing in the water. It was like crazy. First time in water in three years. But you would never think about ever going for water or taking mm -hmm. a sip of water with Gil Bramwell on the field. Right. He was such a disciplinarian, right? Mm -hmm. He just commanded so much respect. And, and I admired the guy when I went to university. And then uh, I started working at, at Sisler, and we, we actually had a good run of teams that did – Fairly well, like I said, we, we went to the final four years in a row. Gil Bramwell starts, like he he resigns from the Bisons, mm -hmm. starts this program in 1991. 1993, he's now in the championship. Yeah. Facing a team that's been around for 60 years, a 60-year history. Oh. And and they beat us. He's He's been around for three years. And that's Gil Bramwell. That's the shit he does. And it was it was shortly after that game that he invited me to come. Hey, why don't you come work out with us down in the your dungeon? So in the off season, you know, come come let's let's have a workout. Like because he was seriously, we were really tight. Like mm -hmm. he he was like my second father. Uh, we would go cut down wood. Like we both had. I ended up buying a, a place out in St. Francis Xavier because that's where Gil lived. Right. right? And we would go and, and cut wood in the off-season to, to heed our homes. We spent a lot of time together. Gay, his wife, would make us lunches. We were really close. When he got ready to retire, I had already gone over to Grant Park. Right. He, uh, he was like, well, Gay's not well. I'm pretty much done. Why don't you come to Oak Park? 
And for me, it was it was a difficult decision. I was developing a program and it was actually getting pretty, pretty good. But my kids were athletes. They were just young, but they're athletic kids. Mm-hmm. And at Grant Park, there was no really strong female athletic program going on. There was nothing for sports for girls there. And I knew they were going to end up going to Oak Park. And Gil actually ended up taking my wife out to lunch to convince her, like, you need to convince Stu that he needs to come to Oak Park. And then when Connie was on board with that, it was like, okay, I'll, I'll do this. And, uh, you know, it was, it was that year that we had just finally uh, convinced Andrew Harris to come to Grand Park. Yeah. Could have been a marvelous run, <laughs> but, uh, but, but I switched over and, and we had that amazing 2002 season. And uh, after that, Gay passed and Gil, Gil was done. He was ready to move on in life and retire from teaching and coaching and work with his G&G roofing business and, and change gears. And, you know, every time I've seen him, he's been very, very happy. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even remember the question now, Aaron. What was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you more or less answered it, Coach. Talk to me about, like, actually then taking over in 2003. And, and did you feel pressure... To, to live up to what Gil had brought brought the team to be. I mean, they just came off three straight championships. Was there extra pressure? So did, did I feel any pressure coming? No. This is Gil. I'm not trying to live up to Gil. Right. I'm not trying to surpass Gil. It's fucking Gil. No, no pressure there at all. 31 and 0, mm-hmm. right? We yeah. were 30. Nobody's done that since Churchill back in the day when there was only 16. Right? Right. right? It's a different universe now, mm-hmm. right? Nobody's going 31 and 0. No. I think I've done pretty damn well in Absolutely. the 20 years that was that I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did it in 20 years. He did it in 12. Right. Right. Like there's no comparison between me and Gil. And I don't ever expect there to be. Like it's just not. It's not. It's not even. It's not an issue. And I've never felt that pressure because I just I hold Gil up there. Right. right? I don't aspire to be better than him. I love it, coach. I love the honesty. Then you you have many successful seasons at Oak Park as the coach, and in that span of time, uh, you win a few championships. You coach a number of players that are now you know members of our own Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But there's so many kids along the way, players along the way that played university, played junior football from the Oak Park program. The amount of people that you've been able to work with and and have a hand in is pretty phenomenal. So so talk about that time and, and just, you know, the the more successful teams that you're with and kind of what you remember about those teams. Every team we've ever won with, every team we've even been really good with has always had a very common denominator. You got you got character individuals on that team. Mm-hmm. You got quality guys. You got guys that uh, if they were not in your school, your school wouldn't be as good a place. Right. Like you think about the Nick Dembskis in the Brady Oliveira's year. The, the guy that comes to mind is James Nanduch, our linebacker that won the MVP of the game that year. KJ Whitaker, Riley Dirks, all those guys. You you have guys of solid character that you win championships with. You don't win championships just with athletics alone. You've got to have that DNA the, without those special leaders that are just beyond good human beings, solid human beings. You don't win championships. You don't. Uh, you have the best athletes in the world. You're going to find a way to F it up. But if you have just two or three of those guys on your team, you're going to find a way to win. 
And all of those teams had a group of those guys. You know, I, I, I go back to the uh, Miles Mack team. What was that kid's name? They ended up just barely losing to St. Paul's in the final. Jade McCoy. Oh, Jade yeah, McCoy. McCoy. Those kids, those mm-hmm. types of characters, like you need the DNA, obviously, but it's it's what's in their heart and in their head that their teammates rally around and 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 want to emulate. That's how you win. Couldn't agree more, Coach Olson. Let's uh, let's talk about you. You know, you talked about being at Miles Mac and then coming over to Oak Park. Was that always kind of the plan for you? Did you want to come home to Oak Park? Obviously, being an alumni and, and growing up in the area and all the success as a player, did you have that? in the back of your mind, like, I, I got to become the Oak Park head coach? It was always there. It kind of went through, I kind of went through the, you know what, it's going to happen. And then I did go through that little bit of part where I was like, you know, it's time for me to move on from the program and do my own thing. The other the other thing too is, you know, being that competitive guy, and there are so many strong high schools in this city or there's so many high schools in the city that could have such strong football programs. I was almost kind of tempted to, uh, you know, do my own thing. Mm-hmm. So like not be in the Gil Bramwell shadow, not be in the Stu Nixon shadow, kind of uh, pave my own path. And kind of when I was at miles and I was uh, uh, coaching there, I was like figuring out where I kind of, uh, what was my next step going to be. And that's when I was kind of contemplating, you know, starting my own thing, uh, kind of starting my own legacy kind of uh, idea along those lines. And then that's when Stu had got his hip surgery done. It was kind mm-hmm. of right around that time. And he wasn't around any longer. And I was still in the Rivers Transco School Division. But Stu had asked that uh, I come back and help help Chad on the KO. And Chad's that re- most reliable guy you can ever meet, uh, do no wrong. And he just, he stepped in. But it was it was a rough rough year. So I came back to Oak Park for that year. You know, Stu asking uh, me to come back help out, and it was <laughs> it was it was not the Oak Park uh, Gil Bramwell Stu mm-hmm. Nixon uh, program of the glory days uh, by no means. I showed up. I'll never forget. We showed up to our, uh, I showed up the very first practice uh, for uh, in spring camp, and we were at Fraser Meadows, mm-hmm. not even at the school. And there was 13 guys, wow. like maybe, and myself, uh, Chad, and good old Frankie, our, our, our athletic trainer. Frankie. And I was like, uh, so what's going on, guys? <laughs> so, <laughs> and then it was, uh, it was awful. And uh, you know what? Once I kind of... Saw that, you know, the competitive guy in me starts coming be like, okay, I want to be the guy to, you know, bring this, bring this puppy back and get this ship uh, in the right direction again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to, you know, I owe it to Gail. I owe it to, to Stu. Um, I owe it to these guys. And uh, that kind of changed my mind. I was, uh, yeah, I'm an old park boy. Let's get this ship right. And uh, it was one of the toughest seasons in terms of like coaching I've ever had. Uh, there was a lot of guys on there that I probably would have cut if it was uh, any other year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had the numbers, but we just didn't have the numbers. I was practicing with the guys all the time. Uh, Coach Rodney, uh, Justin Cassett came out a couple times to help out. And uh, we were literally just hanging on by thread. We were a Division Two team mm-hmm. uh, that year. We went, we went 0-7. Right. 
uh, during the regular season. And then I'm not a fan of this, uh, but then when you're at the top, the bottom of the top division, you drop down to go mm-hmm. play in the in the playoffs of the uh, Division Two teams. Mm-hmm. And personally, I, I understand why it was implemented this way in our league, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not a fan of it because really we didn't deserve to keep playing football and playing the playoffs. We, we were a poor team. And then you got these other teams at that time, Calvin and Brandon, they deserve to be in that championship game. So we dropped down and that's kind of when we started towards the end of the, the season. That's kind of when we got things turned around that year, 2017, Charlie Ringland. That's my guy that I'm going to thank. And that guy who kind of kept Park football together. And mm-hmm. Stu just talked about character guys and, uh, that guy is as good as they come. Uh, he was that guy. I didn't know any of those guys. I had coached them before, and I stepped in that year, kind of stepped up to the plate towards the end of the year. Charlie and uh, a couple of those guys were the ones that, yeah, said, uh, this is our guy, and uh, they fell in line, and uh, I can't thank those guys enough. I uh, just actually uh, talked to Charlie. He's been graduated over five about five years ago now yep. and i just spoke to him a couple weeks ago because uh it's actually his cfl draft year uh maybe a blue and gold team looking his way so uh very excited for that kid uh i hope the world for him he deserves everything he gets uh he's out in uh university of saskatchewan right now right. uh having a great career so yeah. so yeah and then uh you know i was set in stone this is uh where i'm meant to be and I couldn't be happier right now with the direction the program's going in. You know, again, I, I love the reference about the the particular players, the, the, the different guys that Stu mentioned, yourself just mentioning Charlie. I was able to coach Charlie when he was at JV at Oak Park. I was coaching JV at that time. He uh, he was my quarterback. And, and like you said, just a difference maker, right? Like we didn't have a lot of talent that year, but he just made such a difference. He was so like natural at anything I wanted to do offensively. Like just his ability to adapt and do whatever I asked him to was was phenomenal. Um, and it's it's great yeah, to see. Yeah, uh, I will throw him under the boss a little bit. So we're in that <laughs> we're uh, we're in that that uh, division division two championship game, yeah. and we're playing Brandon in that game. We're up big time in the second half, and Charlie's like, "Hey, can I call? Can I call the offense?" I was like, absolutely, uh, go for it. Yeah. And he's a smart guy, cerebral yeah. guy. So he goes in there. Of course, he's got Ben Boyko beacon in his ear to throw a long bomb to him. <laughs> so first play, he holds it for like seven seconds, gets sacked. Right. Second play, scrambles around. It was a broken play, got sacked. And it was a two and out, and he punted. I was like, great <laughs> calls, buddy. Great <laughs> calls. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So talk, talk about bringing in Chris to be your replacement, to take over the program. Um, what is it about Chris specifically that, that made you want to bring him in? I've been fortunate enough to work with him for many, many years. Like when he graduated from high school, him and Justin Kasich and a, a small number of guys, I wouldn't say there was a ton of them, Kevin McNeil, these guys came back and helped out whenever and wherever they could, whether it was doing the Bronco Raider camp or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, in a 12 month span, they, they helped me out. They, they came and did what they could to contribute. Uh, when they're playing for the rifles, rifles were uh, like a good team back then. And yep. uh, Watson demanded a hell of a lot from them in terms of the off season during the season, they were around, they were always around. And they were best buddies, right? Like McNeil and Chris and Rodney Patterson and all those guys 
hung out together and, and had shared the passion for football, shared the passion for Oak Park Raider football. Right. And, and, and just were reliable. I, I knew they came from Gil Bramwell's blood, right? Like I, I knew I could trust them. And, you know, I, I, I would have strongly encouraged any one of that group of guys, especially, you know, I, it, it sounds corny and cheesy, but the fact that they've, they've, they've all been touched by Gil, any one of those guys I would have trusted with the program because I, I believe in them. But Chris was the guy that decided to become a teacher. He's the guy that needs to take over the program. Like there's, there's just nobody else. There's, there's, there's no better person. There's no, uh, he's the guy, right? He understands Gil. Mm -hmm. He, he, uh, he believes in dedication, desire, determination, attitude, and tenacity, right? It's part of, part of who he is. Who else could you leave it to? Thank God he decided to go into education because if, if he didn't, man, I got no more jam left. I don't know. I, I, the, the program would be in a hell of a lot of trouble if it wasn't for Chris. I agree with you. And I'm happy to be back home coaching here at Oak Park and to be with you guys. Um, and, and Olson, I, I mean, we knew each other a little bit beforehand, but I didn't really know you until we really coached together this year. And I, I have a great respect for the way you run the program and what you're doing. Uh, very pleased with what's happening in the direction we're going. Olson, let, let's talk kind of about our season this year. Uh, talk, talk about this past season, uh, the staff that you're, uh, that you have assembled and some guys maybe that you're bringing in. And, and what do you think you need to do to, to keep moving in the right direction to bring the program back to its glory? We talked about, like, you know, the Gil Bramo blood, but a lot of who I am as a coach is uh, kind of the, the Coach Nixon mm -hmm. kind of facet of things. And where I think I'm lucky as a coach in this league is that, like, this league is, is a lot of young coaches now. You look yes. around the league, uh, like Mitch at uh, Dakota, you got Russ at West K. You got Dan uh, at Miles Mack at Jamie Pierce. Like it's uh, guys that I used to play against with a combination of uh, the older guys as well. But uh, one thing that I can say that I have a leg up is that I got the, that mentorship coaching. Coaching with guys like Dave Black, guys who have been around the league. And, you know, as a young guy, and you see it now in the NFL, you, you got all these young guys and you got that attitude and be like, you know, I'm a new cool guy coming in, young blood. But then all of a sudden, Stu will say something and I mock him all the time. Like every 20 things you say right now, it, once something sticks for me and I'm like, and it, it, every now and again, he says something and I'm like, yeah, you're a hundred percent. You're, you're right. And I'm wrong on that. Um, as much as I might, might not say it to his face, right. but it, inside I'm like, ah, he's got me. He on never says one. that to my face. <laughs> <Yeah, I know. laughs> uh, like he's right. You know what? I, I cut my teeth. I was a defensive line coach. I was a offensive line coach. I was a running backs coach. I was a defensive coordinator, offense coordinator, mm. worked for under multiple guys. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I picked and I, I've told Dan Washnuck, I've told Stu and like all you guys, like I steal, I steal from you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the things that you guys are doing well, I'm like, you know what? It's uh, I'm not gonna try and make my own everything new. It, if it works, it makes sense, and all of that stuff. So working with the old guys is, and now I like to think I have that old school kind of like what Coach Nixon talked about that did that. Plus, now we got that new kind of flavor to it, kind of who I see myself as as a coach. Mm -hmm. The old school philosophy, character, 
it, it starts in the classroom, in the locker room. But uh, when we get on that football field, we got that new blood in us as well. Stealing from coach as well, Coach Nixon is one of his sayings. He always says, is surround yourself with better people. And uh, that's uh, definitely where you came into play this year, my man. Uh, coach Keys, bringing in those guys that are uh, that are smarter than you uh, and certain assets and all that stuff. And I think that's uh, what we're doing right now. You are a huge part of this turning around the ship, Aaron. Like you said, getting the getting some boys together, having uh, Eric Ewing coming back. You know, that's an Oak Park guy. He went over uh, coached at Massey for a number of years. Very successful program. Very impressive program. Having him back this year is going to be huge for us. I fired myself as a defense coordinator. Uh, so we're going to have Graham Jones uh, is coming in. He was a uh, past uh, coach at Dakota back in the day. Uh, yeah. He's been around football Manitoba for years. Most recently coached at uh, the Winnipeg Rifles as a coordinator, special teams coordinator. And then bringing in those young guys who came through our program, Jeremy Williams. I mm. think he's going to be an outstanding yes. offensive line coach. And he said it best himself. He wasn't the best athlete, mm. so he made himself that smart football player. Uh, Ethan Dykow, that's going to be our, uh, our, our fire guy. He's mm. our, he's our <laughs> hype coach. You know what? It's bringing in these young guys with that combination of, of the older coaches. You know what? I'll give them huge credit, guys like Ian Holland, Doug Young, Austin Harvey, all them who are just willing to do whatever they can for this program at this time. Kind of going through that changing of the guard, passing the torch with myself and Stu, asking them to go down to JV or asking certain guys to take different roles. They've swallowed the pride. They did what was best for the program. And it, that's unbelievable uh, to have. And I kind of touched it on our banquet. We have like between the two programs, we have 30 people involved. And that is unbelievable. You know what? As much as, you know, whether it's Stu's the face or, you know, O'Park, uh, the head the head coach, it uh, <laughs> it has nothing to do with me in the end. It's all about uh, the X's and O's and the, and the people and the players and all that stuff. And you've been a huge asset with bringing coaches in and then us getting some of those uh, ex-alumni players back into the program. It's just going to keep keep the wheels turning. We're in the right direction right now. Uh, we got some work to do, but um, the programs, Grand Park did a great job this year. Uh, hats off to them. Vincent Massey, great job. Like top eight program in the, in the country. Yeah. St. Paul's top uh, program in the country. Dakota's going to get there. Mm -hmm. uh, the competition is so high. Right. Um, that we got uh, we got to keep pace, and I think right now we got some we got some some bumps, but uh, it's not a mountain anymore to climb. We're we're right. we're catching them. Give us another year or two, and uh, we'll be right there swinging with them. I, and again, I I love a coach. I I agree. I believe we set the foundation this year for for moving forward and to to get back to to where we want to be. And uh, again, I'm happy to be along and I'm happy to bring in people and just continue to build and, and go in the right direction. So thank you. Back at it for fourth quarter action with Coach Gies, Coach Chris Olson and Coach Stu Nixon. So Coach Nixon, you have decided to uh, pull the plug on your teaching career and coaching football. That must have been a hard decision to, to make that decision to retire and, and step away. 
what went into that? How hard of a decision was that? And how was this last year being, you know, your last on the field? What, what was that like for you? I don't know that it was a hard decision to leave, uh, for me anyway, to, to, to leave coaching. I, w- I was tired. Like, I, I went through a number of years there at the end of my career, like, coached for 35 years. But there was like a four-year period of time there where I, w- I, I, I lost my dad. I lost my brother. I lost my mother. I had two hips replaced. Right. Like it was just a, a funky number of years where I kind of spend my attention elsewhere rather than in football. Right. And I think it just sucked my my enthusiasm away from me. Right. Mm-hmm. Reference back to Gil Bramwell. Bramwell had to deal with the loss of Kate and it was it was a journey for him. But I remember at the end of it, uh, he looked at me and I was in the school at 2002. He said, Stu, you know, when you're done and I'm done. And I just. I know I'm done, mm-hmm. right? So it wasn't a difficult decision to leave coaching. Coaching is such a huge amount of work and a commitment of time and a sacrifice for your family. And and thank God Chris has taken on the the burden and hopefully his family is strong enough that they'll provide a blessing along the way, right? And he'll hopefully be more wise and be able to create a better balance than I did, but it takes balance, right? It Mm. takes, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of time. It's a lot of sacrifice. And if you're a phys ed teacher, it's a commitment that ethically you should make. And that's just my belief. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of people that say, you know, it's not in your contract. You're just a teacher, you're teaching phys ed. But in my opinion, old school opinion, if you're a, if you're a phys ed teacher, you need to run a program and you need to run it well. That's your that's your responsibility to these kids. And I'm at the point where I don't have the energy to continue to teach and run a quality program. Chris has that energy. And uh, I enjoy the teaching part. Selfishly, I enjoy the interaction with the kids. Mm-hmm. I enjoy uh, teaching my life force classes, my career development, uh, the, 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 the gym classes, the energy there is so positive exciting like it's tough to leave the teaching profession but if you're a phys ed teacher you don't deserve the privilege to teach those kids unless you're committing to run a program and that's just my own personal philosophy and i'm sure lots of people are going to disagree with it but the teaching part is joyous the coaching part is joyous as well but it's also hell at times but for me I knew it was time to stop coaching. Talk about this year. Doug Young did most of the prep for most of our year. He watched most of the film. He did most of the analyzation of what needs to be done. As a head coach, nobody nobody should be doing that more than you. You should have a better handle on what's going on offensively, defensively than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And at some point, 2017, somewhere around there, at some point I just said, you know what, I'm not interested. And at that point, it's it, it's time to find a way out. And I got a guy here that's full of piss and vinegar, and he's going to take care of shit, right? Right. Um, so for me, it was not it was not hard to leave coaching. It's harder to leave teaching because I enjoy the kids still. But at the same time, the kids deserve somebody with a little bit more energy. Leaving teaching is more of a struggle than leaving coaching. Leaving coaching for me, same as Gil. You know, I'm done. 
Well, you know what, Coach? I, I want to say thank you from every player, every coach, every person that was within, you know, affiliated with Oak Park football over the last number of years that you've been involved. We we thank you for everything you did for the program as an alumnus, as a, as, you know, a former player and now coach. I, I really appreciate all the hard work and, and dedication that you've had to the program. So we just want to say thank you to you. Guys, I want, I want to switch gears. Olson, let's talk about uh, the Bombers winning the Grey Cup not that long ago. Were you pumped for them to, to get their second Grey Cup? And, and you know, what does that do for football in the province? Yeah, you just think about the Bombers 10 years ago, and you're like, these guys will never win a Grey Cup. Uh, yeah, we're getting spoiled now with these guys. Yeah. Uh, they're just unbelievable. Uh, they're You talk about, and they're re-signing guys now, which is just bonkers. You see Jeffcoat, Jefferson. Uh, these guys coming back and Jeff Coat uh, even talked about it, that he was going to look into free agency, mm-hmm. but then, uh, you know what? He felt like he was wanted here and, and needed here. And he felt that uh, people respected him here. And he's hundred percent right. Winnipeg is a football community. Manitoba is a football community. When that program is doing well, uh, Winnipeg's doing well. You look at what football or what's happening with football in Winnipeg right now, Wade Miller, Wade Miller, that guy knows how to get things done. And that guy knows football and he knows Manitoba. And having that guy at the helm here is huge. I've been in uh, contact with him over the last several weeks and his ideas on how to expand football in Manitoba, how to get more kids playing, how to get uh, kids playing uh, within schools within club teams to make everything easier, to make everything more universal, he's bang on. And with him at the helm, it's only going to keep growing and growing and growing. He is a proponent of everybody and anybody playing football. And whether it's flag, whether it's tackle football, he's going to get the numbers. And that it all starts with the Bombers. I'm sure Stu will talk about his boys, but, uh, it doesn't hurt having those local boys on that team, either from uh, Oak Park. That goes a long way as well because kids start to understand you don't need to leave uh, in order to get paid to play football. Pretty cool. Absolutely. And that's a perfect segue to you, Coach Nixon. Um, talk about the Bombers winning the Grey Cup, but specifically the those uh, those three, Andrew Harris, Nick Dembski, and Brady Oliveira, you know, all being part of the Bombers. Did you have any contact with any of those guys before or after the game? Andrew, he sent me an, a, a beautiful text, really, really kind thing, talking about how much of a mentor I was to him and how uh, it was just super cool. He sent me a really genuine text uh, about the significance of your high school coach. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I, I've lost Brady's number. I don't have it anymore. I sent a text to all three of them. Mm-hmm congratulating them right after the game right like well way to go guys just get home so we can celebrate both nick and andrew responded but brady didn't because i don't have his number anymore and Mm -hmm. i still don't have his number so i haven't heard back from him but within like this is right after the game they would have been in the locker room spilling champagne all over themselves (laughs) within 15 minutes nick nick has text back thanks coach that's awesome like that's nick dembski right Mm -hmm. like that's that's the kind of character that guy is. So, yeah, I did have some correspondence just before and slightly afterwards. Oh, that's awesome to hear, Coach. Okay, guys, this weekend coming up, NFL playoffs start, wild card weekend. I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. We're in tough. We got uh, the, we got the Chiefs on Sunday night. 
Uh, I'm hoping that uh, Big Ben's last ride continues on somehow, some kind of miracle. <laughs> That's probably not happening, but uh, I can hope, I guess. Uh, Stu, who is, uh, you know, what's the most intriguing matchup for this weekend for you? Who are you excited to watch? Well, Aaron, I was eight years old. It was 1970. And my dad got a new TV. And he just strapped the tinfoil from one antenna to the other. And we got this Minneapolis channel. And it was the Vikings playing the Raiders. And it was black and white, not black and silver. <laughs> but they had this quarterback. Yeah. That was left-handed, just like me. Mm -hmm. It was Kenny Stabler. And I became a Raiders fan. And about two years later, my dad had to explain to me that the Bombers are never playing the Raiders. And I was confused by that. It really bothered me. But I got to I, I got to understand it. But this weekend, if you look at these matchups, my Raiders have for sure the best matchup out of all the underdog teams. We got Cincinnati, I mm -hmm. think we got a we got a good chance. And then obviously we either got the Steelers or the Chiefs after that. I'm excited to watch what happens. Absolutely. It's going to be exciting. Coach Olson, I got a good feeling about what game you're intrigued by, but uh, but which game this weekend are you most excited to watch? Yeah, the the, the boys, Dallas Cowboys. That's my team um, since I was 10 years old. And speaking of, I know your team's Pittsburgh. That was the game I remember watching them, and that's kind of when it clicked with uh, when they were playing them in the Super Bowl. I think yeah. it was 96, and they beat them in the Super Bowl right. uh, with like Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, mm -hmm. Deion Sanders, Michael Irving. Like Moose Johnson, like that team was something else. They and uh, that's kind of, I, I've stuck with those guys my entire life. And uh, they're back in the playoffs, which is nice to see with Dax and uh, Zeke. And you know what? To see them playing San Fran is also pretty cool. Yeah. That's obviously going to be my game to watch because that's a nice old uh, rivalry uh, back in stadium there. Uh, nice to see those two teams. And Kyle Shanahan's a great coach too. Yes. Good young team over there. So watching those two teams, that's going to be uh, be pretty cool to watch. Honestly, I would say any team in the NFC other than Philly, mm -hmm. uh, you can see them going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they're like you yeah. know, NFC is it's a toss up. Oh, I totally agree. the The matchups all this weekend, I think they're all good. Uh, it's going to be exciting. A lot of uh, stud quarterbacks playing for for all the teams that are in the playoffs. So that kind of leads me to my last question, and I like to ask all the guests this, guys. Uh, Coach Nixon, I'll start with you. Who is your favorite quarterback of all time and why? Kenny the Snake Stabler. <laughs> he was a rebel, yeah. and he was left-handed, and he had a hell of a good life partying his ass off. <laughs> and that's why you like him? All of those reasons, but yeah. He was a <laughs> great leader, and he just – he was a rebel, man. He was. He was, he was a good quarterback in, in the 70s there. Uh, Olsen, how about you? Who, who's your favorite QB of all time and why? You know what? I was, I was thinking, like, I don't got a favorite quarterback. You know what? If you want, like, I'm a lineman guy. I'm a, I'm a trenches guy. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you think of, like, all these quarterbacks. You, you know what? Like, Troy Aikman's obviously up there. There's so many good quarterbacks. But I'm more of, I'm more of a trenches guy, mm -hmm. you know? So, uh, in terms of... Uh, Alignment-wise, um, uh, let's go with some like Leon Lanners and throwback cowboy linemen. <laughs> All right. He's got some uh, big blooper reels, but uh, the guy, the guy's a baller, man. Uh, right now, Zach Martin, that's one of my favorite guys to watch right now. Obviously, Jalen Smith, a mm -hmm. um, little banged up these days, but Jalen Smith is a freak of nature. 
That guy literally has a knee brace on his elbow to play football because his arms are so big. So yeah, I'm excited to watch uh, excited to watch the linemen play and get into the action, get dirty. There you go. Switching up my question on me. I like it. All right, guys. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we're at the end of the podcast, but I want to thank you guys for being on. Awesome to reconnect with you. Awesome to talk about your both of your careers and, and Stu passing the torch to Chris here to take over the Oak Park program. Uh, I hope you guys had a good time tonight. Really enjoyed it, Aaron. Thank you so much for including us in this. Really good talks, man. Appreciate it. Awesome. All right. And I want to thank all the fans that are listening. Uh, we got more great guests coming your way. So thank you very much. Everybody have a good night. Bye.